good to be with you, and uh, I'm Pastor John Trinkline, and I get to be a, a, the Director of Mobilization here at St. John. It is truly a joy. And I have a question for you today to begin with, and the question is this. How many of you have personally met a missionary? Would you just raise your hands if you personally met a missionary? All right, really good. All right, here's another question for you. How many of you here today are baptized Christians, believers in Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. Oh, I love that. Hey, everybody. Well, um, for those of you who raise your hand that you're a baptized Christian, here's the news that I have for you, and this is the main point of what I want you to receive out of the message today. You have all personally met a missionary. That's right. You want to know who it is? Go home today and look in the mirror. And there you will find a missionary. Because what we're going to learn today and what the early believers learned in Acts chapter 8 is that every believer in Jesus is a missionary. I don't know if they had mirrors, but they were all missionaries, I can tell you that. So here is Acts chapter 8. I'm going to read verse 1 and 4. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And all those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Catch that? All those that were scattered. All those believers, they can no longer stay in their home because now it was getting dangerous. There were enemies of the gospel who had hostility against Christians. They could be arrested. They could even now be put to death as we learned about Stephen last week who was put to death for no other reason than his proclamation of the name of Jesus. And so many of them were displaced. They were running for their lives. They were scattered all over, these ordinary Christians. It's that word we've been hearing, it's diaspero. Diaspero means to scatter, to displace, to sow the seed, to go beyond where you've been. And so as they went to different places, God had a plan that he was spreading the movement of Jesus Christ all the more. Matter of fact, the picture, don't you love the metaphor of the dandelion? That's pretty awesome. I was truly amazed. Pastor Mark last week actually found dandelions. Remember that? And he held it up and he blew it, right? Well, I didn't find any dandelions this past week to bring into you. Of course, I didn't even look for any, so that might be the reason. But I thought maybe this will do it. This will still get it across. Are you ready? Here's my imaginary dandelion. Ready? Yeah, that's what was going on. That in spite of the winds of persecution that was against these believers, what it actually did was fueled all the more the growth of the kingdom of God because these believers went everywhere sharing the good news of Jesus wherever they were. All of them were scattered and they were preaching the word of God. Now, let me explain something. When it says they preached the word of God, preach there does not mean sermonizing. They didn't do a theological word study and write a sermon and then gather people together where you had, you know, some songs and an offering and they had the crowd together. No, when it says they preached the word, it just says, it means this, they spoke about good news. They told the good news about Jesus. And they did this not in a church service. 
They did this along the road as they were heading out and leaving their home in Jerusalem. And they ran into people along the way and the acquaintances. They told them why they were leaving. It's because now they have, they have come to know and believe in Jesus, who's the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And, and they told other people about this. They couldn't stop talking about Jesus. And when they got to the towns where they were moving to, they began to tell the neighbors, their new neighbors, what this was, why they're there, why they had to leave home, and it was all about Jesus. When they went to the wine shops and to the marketplace, in their conversations, they would talk about Jesus. It was part of their chatter. It was, the fact is, they were gossiping the gospel. Isn't that cool? Matter of fact, that's the only kind of gossiping we ought to be doing, right? Is gossiping the gospel wherever we go. And God was moving in a mighty way because, see, they were all now understanding that we are missionaries. And what Jesus spoke about in Acts chapter 1-8 was happening. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It was beginning to happen. So here's what I want you to know. God is still sending missionaries, you and me, into our everyday life to share Jesus. But I also have a confession to make. For a good number of years, even though I'm a pastor and I should know better, I was living an anti-missionary life. I just didn't realize it. What did that look like? Well, I was on staff with five other pastors in a church in Omaha, Nebraska, and I would... Uh, be meeting with the people at that church and evening meetings, that's when they were available, and we would strategize and pray about how we could reach people who are far away from God and get them to come to church. Now, I would go home to have dinner after my work day. I'd have dinner with my wife, and then I started driving back to the church for my meetings, and there were my neighbors sitting in lawn chairs on the driveway, by the way, that's a Nebraska thing. They love to hang out at the driveway, and that's where they meet with their neighbors. And they would say, hey, how you doing? I said, hi, how you doing? They said, why don't you come join us? I said, oh, I got to go to work. Sorry, maybe another time. So I went to church, and we're strategizing how to reach people who are far away from God. You know where this is going, don't you? And so I, I did it again. And for a couple weeks, I keep passing by them. They keep inviting me, saying, why don't you come join us? And I said, oh, I wish I could. I've got to go to work. And finally, I realized how ridiculous this is. I mean, where do we get it wrong that we think we have to get people to come to where we are? Really, the plan is, Jesus said, while going, make disciples. So I went to church and I told my leaders, I'm canceling all the meetings. No more night meetings. I want you to make yourself available to get to know your neighbors. So the next time I'm coming home and there they are in the driveway, they said, why don't you come and join us? I said, I'll be there in a few minutes. I went in the house, I said, Sue, we got to go out there. Let's get our lawn chairs. Let's meet our neighbors. And we brought our lawn chairs. We're sitting in the driveway. First thing they did was hand me a beer. I thought, hey, this isn't too bad. This is all right. <laughs> and uh, we had some kind of crazy conversations about all kinds of things. And I have to be honest, I heard certain words that I'm not used to hearing so much around the church. And uh, this was a little different culture. But about the third time we were sitting on the driveway, third evening, finally it happened. One of the women, one of our neighbors said, aren't you a pastor at a, one of the churches? I said, yes, I am. 
And she said, I have a question about the Bible I've always wanted to ask. It opened the door wide open. I got to share about God's love for us, about his plan and purpose for our lives, about what Jesus has done for us on the cross and his resurrection. And do you know that in the course of time, as we sat on the driveway and we talked to each other, I got to baptize the two children that lived next door to us. And that family started coming to the church where I was pastor. And I got to then go visit the adult son of one of my neighbors. He was dying of AIDS. And I went in by his deathbed and we talked about eternity and Jesus. And I got to pray with him. He died two weeks later and I went to his funeral. And then we had a family at the end of our street that uh, came to know Jesus and they confessed their faith in him. And that happened through another neighbor who was a believer. And all of this happened when we caught the vision that we're all missionaries who are to go where the people are and reach out to them. Now here's the question. As you hear this and that you are a missionary, what's your attitude towards that? Because there are two basic kinds of attitudes. There's the get to attitude. I get to do this. And then there's the I've got to do this. Where are you at in all of that? A get to or a got to? You know, when you say, hey, we're going to go to church in a gymnasium. Was that a get to or was that a I've got to? When you go to work, is that a get to or is that a got to? And I wanted to illustrate the differences between these two attitudes. And so here's what I thought I would do. Remember how Pastor Mark shared with us that dandelions are not a weed. They're actually a very nutritious green that you can eat. All right, how many of you tried it? Okay, you tried this last week to eat. Some of you did. Well, good for you because I didn't. However, one of our members sent me a picture of the menu that she had that night at a dinner. And I want you to see this. I don't know if you can read the words, they're so small. But I want you to know that one of the selections is grilled lamb chop with braised dandelion greens and white beans. How many of you would look at that and say, oh, I get to try dandelion greens. Okay, well, maybe not. Those that say, I've got to do this. I wanted you to see what that attitude looks like. So here's the picture I figure <laughs> will be, I've got to do this. I have to say, I'm even a little beyond that. I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking, don't even think about it. That's what this face looks like right there. So what does a get-to face look like that I get to do this? Well, let me show you the person that sent the menu, and she tried it, and here it is. Are you ready? Here's the get-to attitude right there. Does that surprise anybody? You got to love Melissa Hammett. She inspires all of us because she's got a get-to attitude to all of life. Well, how about it? Do you have a get-to attitude? When I look at Acts chapter 8, I see someone with that get-to attitude. It's Philip. Philip is so excited about sharing Jesus that even though here he is displaced, even though the diaspora has taken place, he saw it as an opportunity. And we're told that he went and preached the name of Jesus and the kingdom of God to the Samaritans. 
Now, to be sure, Philip is a little more than an ordinary Christian. He's already a deacon who would feed the food to the widows in Jerusalem. But here he is so bold that he's telling them about Jesus. And think about it. He was doing this in Samaria. Just so you understand, the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. As a matter of fact, the Jews despised the Samaritans. That's because Samaritans were a mixed group, a mixed people. They were part Jewish and part Gentile. Not only that, they changed the Pentateuch that they used, the first five books of the Bible. And they also would not come to worship God at Jerusalem. They had their own place of worship as a substitute. And they had different ideas about who Messiah is. And so the Jews did not consider the Samaritans as part of the covenant people of Israel. They saw them as outsiders. They looked down on them. As I said, they despised them to the point where if a Jew had to travel from Jerusalem going north to Galilee, the, the, the straight pathway is to go through Samaria. And the Jews wouldn't go there. They would go miles around that region so they could avoid the people. They don't want to know them. They don't want to have anything to do with them. Actually, do you see why Samaria became a good place for the Christians to go and hide from persecution? And here is Philip sharing the gospel with them. And here's the amazing thing. This is momentous. Because now in the book of Acts, we actually have the early Christians, primarily Jews, bringing the gospel to those who are Gentile blood as well. To those who are mixed. And he crossed barriers. Think about it. He crossed religious barriers, social barriers, cultural barriers in order to bring the gospel of Jesus to them. He had a get-to attitude. And he was doing what Jesus told him to do, to go make disciples of all nations. That word nations is a word ethnoi. We get our Greek, our, our, our English word rather is ethnic groups. How about you? How would you do with that? Would you cross barriers to reach people different than you? Would you see this as a, a great get-to opportunity? Maybe your neighbors are from a different culture or background. Maybe their skin color is different than you. Would you reach out to them? Would you reach out to someone maybe who has a different political viewpoint to a Democrat? To a Republican? Would it bother you whether they watched Fox News or CNN? Would that get in the way? Would you reach out to people who perhaps were actually fans of Michigan Wolverines? Or Michigan State Spartans? Or what about the Ohio State Buckeyes? I think I've discovered your bias right now. And the truth is we all have a bias, don't we? A bias where we look at certain people and we just don't want to mix with them. We don't want to talk to them. We don't even want to get to know them. We think of them less than we think of ourselves. And that bias, I got to tell you, is devastating. Because that is not what Jesus is all about. Have you ever thought about what is God's bias towards you? Does he look at you and say, I don't want to get to know that person. They have bad theology, 
Their behavior's terrible. Their life is messed up. No, our God, who, by the way, knows everything about us. I'm talking about Psalm 139, kind of knowledge of everything about us, the good and the bad. He looks at us, and here's what I can tell you. Here's his bias. His bias is that he loves you no matter what. And Jesus made that clear, because listen to me. Jesus crossed the barriers that he could reach out to you and me. It says in Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his love for us that Christ died for the ungodly, for you and me. Now, if that doesn't move the needle a little bit in your heart towards the idea that you get to bring the love of Jesus to people different than you, and here's what I can tell you. What you need is a good persecution. You need a little diaspero to help you realize the magnitude and the power of the gospel of Jesus and what he has done for all of us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We know that Jesus can change hearts. He did that with these early believers. And he did it with the apostles. Because when the apostles heard what had happened in Samaria, they sent Peter and John from Jerusalem to go to Samaria and see what God was doing there. And indeed, they found these new believers. These people had great joy because they had heard the message about Jesus. They had experienced the power of God working in their lives. And so... They then said to them, well, you, where's the Holy Spirit, okay? Because they didn't see, they hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. And this is kind of strange because they went there and they realized these are believers but had not yet received the Holy Spirit. Wait a second, they were baptized and yet they have not yet received the Spirit? I don't understand that. So let me tell you, out of all my training as a pastor, my master's of divinity and my years of ministry and reading the scriptures, let me tell you what's going on there, okay? What's going on that the Spirit had not yet come through baptism? Here's my answer. I don't know. You know, some things we don't know. God doesn't tell us everything we want to know. He tells us what we need to know. And it just reminds us that God is God and we are not. But here's what I can tell you, that because of this, when the apostles got there, Peter and John, they prayed over the people, and guess what? The Holy Spirit came upon the Samaritans. And I suspect that what was going on is that God wanted the apostles to see that indeed this message of the gospel is to go to all people. There's nobody we look down on. And I believe that it was because now we're united in Christ. You see, Philip didn't go down there to start a brand new church body separate from the Jewish believers. It wasn't that you now had the Jerusalem Lutherans and then you had the Samaritan Lutherans. No, they were united in Jesus. And the will of God was being done in their lives. And so the power of the gospel was at work. Now, Here's the thing I want us to think about. Uh, as, as Peter and John then saw what God did, it says they went back to Jerusalem, but I love this verse. It said, but they stopped in the villages and everywhere they went, they were telling them about Jesus. Don't you love it? And there was a movement that just continued to grow in the face of the harsh winds of persecution against them. 
Let me ask you. You think perhaps we have become too complacent, too comfortable? I mean, this is just a little thing that we had to go from our church for just a short amount of time to be here at a high school. I mean, is that really persecution or trouble? And what could God do with that? What is he up to as he desires all to know his love? Maybe people will come here who would not have gone to our church campus. And then uh, let me think about this. Do not despair your diaspero. Because if you're facing a setback, if you're facing a difficulty, could be sickness, it could be a loss of job and you have to move somewhere else, I want you to know that God could be setting you up for doing something far more important of sharing the gospel with someone else. Now when I was in Omaha at this church, one of five pastors, I said, let me do what I want to do. And the lead pastor said, well, what do you want to do? So I wrote my job description. He said, go do it. Now, why would I ever leave a job where I wrote my own job description? But I get this call from a church right near Detroit. Now, I have to confess to you, never in my plan for my life was I thinking, boy, I hope I can end up in Detroit, okay? <laughs> I, I just have to say that. I mean, I'm being honest. And remember, I was called in 2008, and I had people asking me, why are you moving to Detroit? What worried me about that is the people asking that were from Detroit. <laughs> but we moved here, and we were in our diaspero, and we moved into our home, and when we were at home, I thought, okay, God, you've been teaching me about reaching out to people who are around me and being aware of what you're doing, so I began to pray for my neighbors. Now, one side, we have a couple that's Andy and Jennifer and their daughter, Dana. And I began praying for them. Jennifer's a believer, but Andy was not. So here's what I did. When I saw him get his mail, you know what I did? I went out to get my mail. I said, hey, Andy, where do you get your fertilizer for the lawn? He told me where he got it. I said, well, I have a truck. Can we go together and get our fertilizer? So that's what we did. Next time I see him taking his garbage out, I thought, I'm going to take my garbage out. So I go out there. I said, hey, Andy, do you know where there's a good Chinese restaurant? You see, Andy's Chinese. So I kind of thought that he might know something about that. And uh, sure enough, he knew the best place to go to. And then another time, I'm going out to get my mail, and Andy shows up. And Andy said, do you like to play golf? I said, oh, the sacrifices I have to make for mission work. I said, yeah, I like to play golf. I said, but would you mind if I invite two of my friends to go? He said, no, that'd be fine. So I invited two men that were in my discipleship group, and we call it a triad, where three men gather around the Word of God for about a year and a half. And I brought them with me, and I said, I want you to meet my neighbor Andy. And in the course of playing golf, these guys were talking about our triad and what they were learning. And on the way home from golf, in the car, I'll never forget, Andy said to me, do you think I could be part of a triad? Now on the inside, I want to show you what I was doing. I was going, yes, yes, I've been 
praying for this for three, four years, three years and praying for this. I didn't want to scare Andy, so on the outside I just said, yeah, I think you could probably be part of a triad. I think it'd be all right. So I went out and I got a, a man that I knew was an evangelist. I said, would you be part of our triad? And, and we met around the word of God. And I'll never forget, it was a night that the lesson in the scripture was about redemption, how Christ paid the price for us. And Tony said to Andy, he said, Andy, I think you're ready to confess your faith in Jesus. And it was real quiet. And I thought, I'm not going to say a thing. I'm just going to pray silently. And I'll never forget when Andy said, yeah, I think it's time. I got to baptize Andy. He's not only my neighbor, he's a brother in Christ. As a matter of fact, Andy's here today. I said, Andy, could I tell your story? He said, sure. He's kind of known as, uh, you know, Pastor John's neighbor now in a lot of churches. But, you know, when I think about eternity, I can't imagine eternity without Andy there. And you have people around you. They really don't know the gospel message. So you want to know how to be a missionary? I'll tell you real quick. It's very simple. Three things. Are you ready? Number one is prayer. Would you identify three people by name? Maybe they're no longer going to church and they used to. Maybe they have never been a Christian. Would you begin praying for them by name? Just pray for God to work in their life. So number one is prayer. The second thing is this. Then care. Just reach out to them. Do something with them. Don't make them your project, please. Nobody wants to be somebody else's evangelism project. What they want is a friend. And here's what I'll tell you. If Andy had never confessed his faith in Jesus, if he was never baptized, he would still be my friend. And so you just love them. You listen. Have them tell them your sto their story so you get to know more about them. And then after the prayer and the care, get ready. God will open the door for you to share. Share what Jesus has done for you. Can you have a get-to attitude about that? Don't you know God wants everyone to know his saving love and be part of his family? Then catch hold of this. Every one of you are missionaries. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you as we've gathered here today and I thank you for the fact that you have so called us not only to receive salvation, but then to partner with you in the sharing of the good news that others may become part of the family of God. Oh Lord, show us where our bias has gotten in the way. Show us where we have looked at people as if they're a little less than we are or we didn't want to get to know them. Help us, oh Lord, to realize that you don't call us to judge people. We're only to be witnesses to them. And Lord, would you help us participate in the diaspero that's going on in this day? Oh Lord, may you move us to be aware of those around us. And then to have prayer, to have care. And yes, when the door opens to share the good news of Jesus, then more will be able to know your grace and your love, be baptized in your name, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and be part of your forever family. In Jesus' name I pray.